Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration from the Center of Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. Have a beautiful week. So with the mindfulness bell, we surrender to the present moment. Would you like a glass of water, Raul? So we meet the moment with compassion. When we surrender into the present moment awareness of now, we arrive, we are home in the love that knows no other because it is all the one love, the one life, endlessly replicating itself throughout creation. And we are that. So we breathe in the awareness of divine love. Dr. Ernest Holmes says divine love brings together and maintains together in harmony and balance those who belong together. So when we realize that divine love is in charge, then we can say, I release control and surrender to the flow this divine love that will heal me, that will heal the planet. Divine love's in charge, and it maintains harmony and balance those who belong together. And so we come to this Center for Spiritual Living heart to heart as the one life, here to walk each other home, home place that's always waiting for us, always already there with unconditional love to heal us. All that's required is that we release control. We release the idea that we're in control. We think we have control. And we don't. And so when we let go of the need to control life, well, then we meet life on life's terms. We embrace it all because it is all good, it is all God, and it is all here for us. And sometimes the challenges that seem to be obstacles are really openings for a new way of life. So I invite you to breathe into the mystery of belonging to the universe. As we throw ourselves into the great mystery of life, well, then there's no need to be in control. Rather, we open to the unfoldment of this mystery 
on this journey to nowhere, this journey to now here. You're ready to play in the field of the unmanifest with nobody special. I invite you to open your eyes and look at yourself. It's all you. Thank you for that beautiful chant. It really kind of set the tone for this experience. This month of September, I chose a theme that I like a theme so it works on me and I like the theme to be really big so I don't get caught up in minutia. And the theme for this month is living in and as the great mystery. Well, it doesn't get any bigger than that, does it, Ari? The great mystery. That it's not this concretized little idea of who you think you should be, and then you build a mental equivalent, and then you strive to get there. We're lo doing this lovely book called Everything um, Matters. No, everything's allowed. Belongs. Everything belongs. Thank you, Raul. Everything belongs. The same idea. And Richard Rohr talks about this journey that we all have, and sometimes the journey requires that things deconstruct in order for them to reemerge. And he uses the metaphor, the example of Jesus's life. And he talks about the journey that Jesus went through. And he says, everybody admires Jesus's journey, but they don't want to take the journey themselves. And sometimes this journey requires that you surrender to something greater and that you allow life to have a, a resurrection through you. But in order to have a resurrection, which is a rebirth, there has to be somewhat of a death a death to an old way of thinking, an old way of relating to your life and to the world, and to see things with fresh eyes. So what if the game we're playing here is learning to see life in a different way, to look through the eyes of oneness, to look through the eyes of divine love, and then nobody becomes other than you. And then you find yourself going through life, saving little worms on sidewalks, and the little squirrel that falls out of the nest, um, you pick him up and he becomes one of your children because... He needs a mama too. I was sharing with the revealing service. We came home from Costco yesterday and we have a blind and deaf pug and he got disoriented because he doesn't know where we are. And um, this time we found him in the bathroom sitting by the tub howling. He was howling. <laughs> you know, you could hear him out in the parking lot when we pulled in. So Trey goes in and he rubs and he scoops him up in his arms. And as soon as he was held, all this neurotic behavior just abated. And so last Sunday, I, the, the title of last Sunday's talk was What's in the Way is the Way. And in my life at this stage, what's in the way is compromised health. Not just mine, but I've got a husband who's compromised. I think I've got a whole church who's compromised. We talked about that ad nauseum in the revealing service. And now I've got a little dog who's blind and deaf. And he, he waddles around and falls over. But his mama, Jody came over yesterday and she put him in her lap. And he just melted like a baby, like butter on corn. I mean, he was just in hog heaven. And he started to chew on her finger, I think, when she was trimming his nails. And he doesn't have any strings to bite. And then, of course, Jody noticed that he has halitosis. And we just talked about what's the next step for him. And it's just to tend the garden with so much love. And isn't that what we're here to do when we get compromised in life, that we meet? And that's why he's such a teacher for me, because he's showing me to not get on my unicycle. At this stage of life, when I was up in, um, I want to say Alaska, Jody was in Alaska, I was up in Oregon, and my little sister, she just turned 66 yesterday, and she's a little girl who likes to climb mountains and go down paths where there's no path before, and so she took the whole family on this rigorous walk up this mountain with a drop-off 
and there was the old dog Izzy, looked kind of like Pepper, and Izzy was sitting at the bottom of the mountain, and she looked at me and said, I'm not going up there, and I looked at Izzy and said, well, I'm not going up there either, and so as they went up the edge of the mountain to the tippy-tippy top, the old dog and I sat at the bottom of the mountain and enjoyed the birds. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do, and sometimes an ounce of caution is worth a pound of cure, I'm just saying. It was so funny, Trey used to, t my husband said, you know when they had that ad on TV, I've fallen down and I can't get up. He said, I used to laugh when I'd see that. And he says, now I'm the guy who falls down and can't figure out how to get up. He noticed, I was, we were walking the dog this morning and my shoelaces were untied. And Trey said, you know how clumsy you are, you need to tie those shoes. So I squatted down to tie my shoelaces and he said, I bet you can't get up. <laughs> and I said, I can with a little help. And he lifted me up and... It doesn't mean that you still are, mm, no, you, you, you meet life. Oh, I pulled out my teacher, Llewellyn Von Lee, because he always smacks me. God smacks me. And I want you to get a taste of this. He said, the mystic comes to accept that the one is known through the many. And yet, if we are inwardly immersed in the silence, <coughs> bless you, it is easier not to get scattered, easier for our consciousness to rest in the primal oneness of life. My Zen calendar this week said silence is explosive. It is the very voice of the universe. Could we release control and surrender to the silence, the stillness, and then let it inform us? Because it's not going to give us thoughts. It's going to feed us awareness, feelings of interconnectedness. I was reading this lovely article in Science of Mind about addiction, and it said it's not about the drug that's the problem. It's the, the need to escape from life using something as a way to escape it that's the problem. So could we go back to the causal idea? Why am I seeking to escape from the moment? Why do I need to mask it? Why do I need to take something? Coffee's like that. Anything is like that. So working with oneness requires the attention, an attention that is always listening, an attention that is always watchful. All we ever have is the moment. So who am I being in this moment? I was sharing with the revealing service in the science of mind with prayer. You, you say the what, and then you allow. The what is, who am I going to be in this moment? Am I going to be listening? Am I going to be receptive? Am I going to be smart when other people are not smart? Am I going to honor myself? And then could I allow that higher order of my being to operate in the world? So I was talking to my dear friend who's moving up from Sarasota, and she said, you know, I want people to be kind. When I smile, I'd like a smile back, and not someone screaming at me, like some people do up in Alaska, or whatever I've heard. No. Unlike the void, oneness can be heard. It can be seen, felt, and tasted. And in it, we find a sense of wholeness that nourishes us and connects us to all of life. That's what oneness does. It connects us to everything and everyone. It's all you. This is the great mystery. It's all you. Wow. He says, in it, we find a wholeness that nourishes and connects all of us, a love that embraces all of life as sacred, and a beauty that weaves all these worlds together, and a way of living that expands us to include all experiences, not just the happy ones that make us, oh, isn't life great? No, even the ones that are devastating. Both the dark and the light are welcomed. And the light of oneness, suffering and darkness are all accepted as part of life, part of the inexplicable that is embracing us. 
It's all good. It's all God. And it's all here for us. So everything belongs. And so when life gives you these um, challenges, could we say, okay, I've got to drive 10 hours back to Sarasota. I'm going to do it in a mindful, loving way. And maybe I'll sing in the car and have some fun. I could put on some tapes and listen to a, a talking book if I wanted to. But then I'd get distracted and maybe I just need the silence. I just wonder. So he concludes this. In oneness, I drew a big heart around this last paragraph. In oneness, we can find a love that has no prejudice. A love that embraces life and draws the various aspects of life together. I love that. Everything's included. It is an invisible love, not limited by form, but fully present nonetheless. We don't need to seek love in form. The big mistake is to go out and say, he's the source of my love or she's the source of my love. No, the source of your love is right here. And yet it's all around you. It's coming from the trees. It's coming from the butterflies. It's coming from, anyway, the worms. Thank you, Michael. It is an invisible love, not limited by form, but fully present nonetheless. So mystics love the invisible. And in Sufism, that's what this guy is, he's a Sufi. In Sufism, the seeker longs for a hidden beloved. And you know, you learn the metaphor of the lover and the beloved are one. The beloved is the invisible aspect of this. And we are the lover. Uh, and we are the veil to the beloved. So when there's no David, there's just the beloved. So I see all these lovely veils of a Michael, of an Adam, you know, of a Gigi. And when the veil, the lover is the veil, when the veil falls away, then what's left? Well, I think it's just the beloved. Whoa, that's oneness in the Sufi tradition. Let's see what he has to say. Mystics love the invisible. It's all the beloved. And the beloved loves the silence and gives herself to a teacher who knows non-existence. You give yourself to a teacher who knows non-existence. That's why I went to this guy. I used to study with the Sadhguru, the very famous one now in the world. And the Sadhguru had all these rigorous rules that you had to follow. The dietary laws, everything had to be raw. You couldn't um, eat certain things like onions and nightshade things. You had to do pranayams rigidly every day. And oh, everything was basically taboo in order to have that experience with him. And when I met this guy, they were serving tea and cookies. And I said, oh, that's not allowed by Sadhguru. And he said, if you want the cookie, eat the cookie. The cookie isn't the demon. Get over it. And I realized... <laughs> This is a teacher who knew non-existence, and I was being caught up in the minutia of Sadhguru. So I left Sadhguru and followed this guy for a while. So you have a teacher who understands non-existence, who is absorbed in nothingness. You think it's about you, but you don't exist. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's about the beloved. It's all about the beloved. All there is is the beloved, and you want to make it about you. No, it's not about you. Well, anyway, just giving you a little well in. Through our love for the invisible, the mystic infuses love with the void and brings the fullness of the void into life. It was always meant to be this way, to bring the love of the universe through us. And he calls it the great void. It's not attached to form. It's this invisible something that permeates all creation. Whoa, there we get to play with that realm now. I'm talking about um, today, the title is called Endlessly Surprised. Now, when you're living in present moment awareness, everything surprises you. And it's funny, my Zen calendar this morning said, the way of wisdom is wonder. And it's so funny, I'm talking about the path of wonder next week. 
So what if surprise comes from wonder? I saw this movie from Ireland, and it was about a woman whose husband had died, and she was grieving the loss of her husband. His name was Frank. And so she went out on the moors where they go off in Ireland, and all of a sudden this strange dog, looked like Pepper again, started following her around. And she said, go away, get out of here, go away. Well, um, the dog wouldn't go away. And he followed her back to her little house and he even pushed the door open and went in and sat in Frank's chair. She said, get out of Frank's chair. And she kicked the dog out of the house and closed the door. Well, she got up the next morning and the dog was sitting on the front porch. This is an Irish movie. Heavy, very heavy in the Irish brogue. So she says, go away, go away. So she goes for a walk and who do you think follows her? The dog follows her to the place where she and Frank used to sit. And then she looks at him and she goes, oh my God, I think this is Frank coming back as a dog. Well, so she walks home. She opens the door. Frank the dog, now it's called Frank, jumps in the bed and he lies on her husband Frank's side of the bed. And then she lies on the other side of the bed. So the neighbor guy, he had a kind of a crush on her and he thought, well, maybe she's available now. He says, would you like to go out for a glass of wine? And she said, well, that would be fun. It would be nice to do that. Well, the dog Frank chased him out of the house and he got hit by a car. It was, a, it was just a bump. It wasn't a serious thing. So then she said, okay, this isn't going to work. So she had one, only one son, and he was an attorney in Belfast. And she said, son, um, your father has come back. He said, mom, you're certified. He said, no, she's come back as a dog. He says, mom, what, what is it? Well, and so the movie, so the great mystery, the great mystery. So my neighbor across the street, her name is Maida, and she's from South America. And it was about a month ago that her husband was kayaking on Lake Gunnersville and he was hit by a barge, his name was Frank, and Frank drowned. So I went over to see Myra and she's grieving and um, Frank had a little dog and uh, so she said to me, she went by my house yesterday and she said, David, it's very strange happening to my house. She said, all of a sudden Pandora came on and it was playing our song, the Elton John song, this is my song. She said. That was Frank's in my song. They played on Pandora and I woke up and my daughter said, what's going on? And, I, and she said, I told my daughter, Frank, Frank, Frank put the Pandora on. He must have done it. And then she said, the, the little dog, Layla. Layla is this old white poodle. He doted on Layla. She said, now Layla sleeps on his pillow by my head. And I said, okay. I'm just going to say, there's an Italian, uh, an Irish movie. It's about chasing, about, a, I said, you know, I think Frank is, is here with you. Could we open to the mystery that there is no death? Yeah, and be surprised. Be surprised by things when um, we get surprised by life. Muji is one of my teachers as well. He talks about vaster than sky and greater than space. And he talks about what we are is this vast universe. And when we get into this vast way of thinking, well, then we know that we're spiritual beings and we're having a human experience. And it's all God. There's no spot where God is not. Well, then it requires that we start identifying ourselves not from the egoic place. And this whole spiritual practice is about moving out of me, ultimately into we, and then realizing it's all. There is really no me that's separate from anything else. And so this enlightened teacher, I'll just give you a taste of him. He's so rich. And you know, you want to read good things, things that inspire you, things that uplift you, that take you to that other plane. So I'll just read this last little bit. He says, you are a free being. And if you live spontaneously, you don't have to prepare for life. He's talking about living spontaneously, not with a rigid plan where you have to have everything figured out. And then you could be eternally surprised, Miss Susan. Eternally surprised. Whatever arises is only phenomenal and that you perceived it 
is where it's at. What are you perceiving in this phenomenon called life? Are you seeing the good, the God there? Are you seeing it as a problem? Or are you seeing it as an opportunity to reshape the way you're approaching whatever it is that life is giving you? He says, let it be as it is. And then he says, and I, with a capital I, shall remain as I am. It will be what it is, but I'm going to take the high ground and live in that awareness and not be the reactionary one that's pulled in all directions by the phenomena of the world. He's trying to get us to that higher. So, so let it be as it is, in all caps, and then I shall remain as I am. He says, then your attention turns away from counting and interpreting, and evaluating and judging of manifestations. And you learn to rest again, la doce caliente. You learn to rest again in your own being. And from time to time, you may ask yourself, who is the witness of all of this? And the mind swiftly comes to rest in the heart again. Who is observing this? Am I observing this from the awakened heart that says it's all here for me? Or are you going into the reactionary mind that's saying, this is wrong and I got to fix it. I got to change it. You get to see who you are. Oh, look at that love. That's divine love. So here's his last little paragraph. He said, your life must be a discovery. Ernest Holmes, in the very first paragraph of the Science of Mind text, he says, the universe would not leave us here to flounder, but gave us this intelligence to discover our connection to the universe. Well, then you got to discover it. Well, Muji's saying the same thing. Your life is a discovery. Rather than something being made up and then accepted or controlled by you. We don't get to make up what we think it should look like anymore. We get to surrender and trust the mystery. Remember, we've decided to throw ourselves into the great mystery. We belong to the universe. It's vaster than the sky, and it's greater than all space. Oh, I think he's throwing you out there in the cosmos. Kim, can you take it? Even if you could stick to a script, it would not compare to what unfolds naturally through the universe. So get out of the script. The one who is free is just going to let life be as it is, knowing that whatever may be, they are not going to impose a design on their life. It should be like this. And then hold on tightly to your favorite intention and just let that intention unfold. Well, there's the what and there's the allowing. So what is your greatest intention? Your religion is kindness. Your greatest intention is to be compassionate, first with self and other. Your greatest intention is to allow spirit to reveal itself in its spiritual magnificence through Seth and everybody else here. I just picked on Seth because he's my little spiritual son over there. I got another one. So go forward with activity, but keep your mind rooted in your heart, says Muji. And then life will surprise you endlessly. Life will surprise you endlessly when you live spontaneously from this place in you that is not trying to design some kind of scripted existence in order for you to mm, have an identity in the world. That's not important anymore. Well, I think they're telling you to dissolve into oneness. What do you think? Does that feel right? To dissolve into oneness? Um, I was watching a PBS episode the other day, and it was called The um, Evolving Earth. And you know, something about science and spirituality and PBS, they come together and it's truly, it was surprising me that the scientists are meeting 
are existential challenges on the planet, and one of the greatest ones is global warming. And truly, it's affecting so many species are going extinct because of global warming. And so the scientists showed this little butterfly who lived at the bottom of this mountain and its environment was all being compromised and it was going extinct. But the butterfly had the wherewithal to say, if I go higher and recreate my environment at a higher place on the mountain, so the butterfly had the evolutionary intelligence to reconfigure itself higher on the mountain. Also, the animals that the scientists were saying are compromised by the heat, like the Florida, this little Florida girls coming up to be with some cool weather, they literally are moving north. The butterflies, the insects, the ones that are surviving are moving to where they can cool down. And, you know, as disturbing as this was to watch the evolutionary Earth, and there's, God knows, one episode after another episode, and I just watched one, and I went, oh, this is a little more than I can take. They showed the iguanas and how the iguanas are compromised by the, the temperature in the ocean, and the ocean's temperature is creating, what are they called? Um, oh, uh, things that... Something that goes round and round and destroys the whatever it's... Anyway, the heat of the water is creating these things and it's destroying the environment and the iguanas are losing their, their home. And what do you think the iguana in its evolutionary consciousness is doing? They're shrinking so that they... I thought of your iguana, um, Anastasia. It looked just like yours. This big iguana now, they're starting to shrink so that they don't need as much food to eat so that they can survive as a species. Well, I think that they're intelligent. What do you think, Seth? They're not just dumb iguanas. They're intelligent beings. They have the same intelligence of the universe like we do. So could we learn from nature? Now, we are supposed to be the most intelligent species on the planet. Well, if we don't do something, we're doomed. I'm just saying. Mark Nepo wrote a brand new book. Trey just ordered it for me. It's called Falling Down and Getting Up. And we all fall down, and some people need help getting up. I'm just saying. So at the end of this book, he talks about being in surprise. We must be honest about this. Seeking what matters is an adventure that will inevitably undo us. Life is an adventure that will eventually undo us. Well, I think we have to fall apart, Ari, so we can come together. Are you willing to fall apart to come together? Well, I'm just asking. Um, here we go. So we must be honest about this. Seeking what matters is an adventure that will inevitably undo us. And I believe every discipline, be it dance or botany or math or psychology, every path of knowing has something to offer to the journey of being alive and being undone. Remember that wonderful movie of Tom Jones in the 1960s? And there's a wonderful line where Tom Jones says, better to be undone than to be done. <laughs> I was laughing I heard that. Well, saying the same thing. Something has to be undone. Something has to be revised. So at last, Mark Nepo says, we stumbled into a deeper relation to faith that when we are thrust so fully into life, our experience liberates unexpected resources that can help us negotiate the dark. Those, those untenuous experiences were necessary so we could learn how to navigate the darkness. So it's all good. We were meant to fall down. We were meant to be undone so we could redo, have a redo. So through the prospect of pure beingness, of seeing the extraordinary within the ordinary, to see the extraordinary within the ordinary, wow, um, that can take our breath away and it will show us eternity. I love that Barry was reflecting when he would have his breakthrough moments in life 
All of life should be breakthrough moments, Barry. It shouldn't be something you have when you're 15 and you never have again. No, what if every day you walk out and you see the majesty, the beauty? It's all out there. It didn't go anywhere. So, though, through, though loving everything will make your heart feel like it might burst at the sight of rain, loving everything will cleanse you of all that is false. And though watching a mother dog lick her stillborn pup will make you cry out in the silence, I can't take this anymore. It will stream away all pettiness. All pettiness will fall away. And though the passages are not always fun, there is a bedrock of calm that will naturally return to us. When you meet the most painful thing, it has the capacity to take you into the most peaceful place. And it wouldn't have happened, perhaps, had you not met that that, that challenge outside. You know, I was up in Canada at one of the spiritual retreats that I was doing, and I got a call early in the morning. It was like 6 a.m. up in Canada, which would be 8 o'clock here. And my sweet husband woke up that morning, and baby Speck, she had cancer in her face, and it had literally exploded through the left side of her face. And he took her to the emergency room, and the guy said, we well, can cut off half of her face and keep her here, or you can euthanize her. And so the doctor had tears in his eyes. This is the one that looked like pepper. And so Trey got on the ground, and she was licking her paw, and he lay down next to her as they injected her and put her to sleep. And then he called me, and he was just bereft. And I thought he wasn't going to survive because he was grieving so much. But in that, in that experience, uh, there was so much grace and so much beauty. And then Lisa had called me, and Etika, her partner, had died a week before that. And she says, call on Etika to come and help. And, you know, because baby Speck now was no longer on the planet. And so we were walking outside and I walked down to the water and I'm grieving. And Amy Bishop was taking a, a picture of me walking down because there was this orb that was following me down to the water. This orb. And she's got it on her little camera. And I'm down there talking, saying, Etika, could you look out for baby? Because she just transitioned this morning. And maybe you can help find her. Well, this orb, it went... It, down, it was hovering down around me by the water. Then the orb, she started following it with her camera. The orb went up into the sky, and it opened. And in the orb, there was a, a big bright light and a little light. And that painting, when I came back and told that story, this is five years ago, this lady in the church was there that Sunday, and she painted that painting over there, which is the orb that I had talked about. There's the little paw on the left side, and there's Etika, and she came to pick the baby. So when I was called to go back up to Columbus to do Etika's funeral, I had this video. Now, they must have thought I'm really a crazy minister from Alabama. I said, because I told the story how when Speck died, Etika's spirit came down and took her up and he had this video of this. Now, is that not one of the strangest, surprising stories you ever heard about life and death? I, I saw Prince Harry on one of those shows and he was talking about his mother, Diana. She died when he was 11 years old. And he said, when she died, he said, I put a wall up. And he said, but let me tell you, she's always with me. And she, he said, it's like she's haunting me. And so he's, you know, struggling with his mother that's still there. I struggle with my twin sister, who I feel is still with me. So I pulled out my John O'Donoghue, this book called Walking in Wonder, which is what I'm talking about next week. And uh, um, uh, here's what he says about the dead. So where does the soul go? Meister Eckhart was asked. And Meister Eckhart had a simple answer to that. The soul doesn't go anywhere. He says, the eternal world is not some faraway galaxy 
that we haven't discovered yet. The eternal world is here among us. And the dead are here with us. That's a surprise. Invisible to us, but we can sense their presence. They are looking out for us. So right after Baby Speck died, my dear friend Wanda Gale came over and she brought me a book called Soul Contracts. And that book said, every animal that we have in this lifetime has a soul contract with their human. And they are here without exception to teach us unconditional love. And they said in that book, soul contracts, even in death, they're still here with you. Because a soul contract is a soul contract is a soul contract. And the soul was never born and the soul never dies. And so I sent Jody this photograph. I said, I feel like I'm haunted by Bert and Speck. And she said, they're little heavenly angels. Mm. So he goes on to say, the eternal world is not some faraway place. It's among us. But for the dead, it is more a circle of eternity. Time is eternity living dangerously. Time is eternity. It's all about eternity. So the Celtic people did not divide time from eternity. Eternity is not an extension of time, but it is the pure presence. It is pure belonging. And when you are in that eternal awareness, you are outside of nothing. Everything is included. My mother's here with me. My dad's here with me. My twin is with me. So many that I've hospiced into death. So could we play with that? You are within everything, enjoying this fuller participation. There is no more separation. It is what the contemplative medieval scholars called the beautific vision, capital B, capital V, where the eye with which you see God is God's eye seeing you. And then you hear Meister Eckhart who said, let God be God in you. So what if we could know that the one that's looking through us is something much bigger than the local self? That's the place we get to evolve into. He says, where the eye with which you see God is God's eye seeing you. You are embraced then in the purest circle of love. You are everywhere and you are nowhere at the same time, but you are in complete presence, endlessly surprised by life and its glorious dance. So yeah, so to be surprised endlessly that we don't die, that we're here forever, and I promise to haunt you all. <laughs> ah, yes, we end where we begin, with a bell, reminding us to stop, to go within, and to discover something that's always already there, always already there. Mm. It's the love waiting for us, a love that never went anywhere. And then we affirm it's so easy. It's just so easy to just fall into the love. Just fall into it. It's waiting for us. We see it everywhere. We see it in our, our family, in our friends, in our pets. We see it in the wildlife that's around us, in the trees. We've had several people move to Huntsville because they want the grace of our lovely environment where we have green. And you know, one of the reasons Huntsville got rated the number one city was because of our air. The air quality here is so, so high. And so there's so much to be grateful for in this space of love that's within us and all around us. And to open to give and receive with equanimity and then we recognize that what we give is what we receive. And so the more we express love, the more we're reaping 
that expression. And so life is evolving within us and all around us. And we witness it with so much gratitude from a field of awareness that knows it's necessary that we evolve and grow into a new order of being, one that embraces the mystery as our self. We are the mystery. We are the mystery unfolding in its spiritual magnificence. And we witness it everywhere, and we also witness it within ourselves. This is a participatory life, and it asks that we enter it, enter into it with our full participation as godlings. So we touch that place on our heart, if you would. And join with me in the heart salutation by saying, I honor you. I honor you. I respect you. I respect you. I love you. I love you. You are the emerging presence of divine love. Flowing throughout creation. creation. Revealing itself intimately. Asking nothing of us than a yes. And a deep, deep thank you. Knowing all is given with grace and ease. And we rejoice and are glad. So it is. Surprise yourself. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org.